Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Benchtown TV's coverage of Amazon's The Wheel of Time. So this here is our deep dive episode for episode seven, The Dark Along the Ways. So if you listen to the instant reaction, we got a little excited and we dove into some theory talk and some deeper discussion. So we're probably going to repeat some things. But if you listen to both episodes, you'll be the expert of your friend group. So that's fun, at least. We're going to uh, we're basically going to follow the path of the episode. So we're going to kind of talk about all the scenes in the order that they happened as uh, we kind of struggled to come up with more general buckets to dictate the conversation. So as the episode does, we're going to open with the blood snow and our IU woman fighting all of those people while pregnant and kicking fucking ass while doing so. That was super badass. And like you guys said on the instant reaction, like one of the coolest just cold openings of any episode of TV. It was just so well choreographed and she looked like such a badass. That's like one of the best fight scenes I've seen in recent memory. It put that on there with The Witcher, the end of season episode one, season one. Like it's just so perfect, so clean, believable. It fits with the IEO reputa- rep- wow. reputation and it was just perfect. I think she, I think she, Mama Rand is just a powerhouse. Agreed. I think she, um, this is the first time I've ever seen like a nine month pregnant woman do as much damage as I've seen in this episode. So <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, talked about a lot in the instant reaction. So I can't, I don't really have much else to say just besides the fact that it's just something that I've never seen done before. And I just kudos to the wheel of time execs for making it such a great scene. That woman was actually just a stunt actress or actor, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly positive that like she wasn't getting the job to act, but she was so good that they gave her that like whole extended fight of because she was acting. She wasn't just doing stunts. Yeah. yeah, She was fucking incredible. Yeah. The the contractions that she was having, that's literally what caused her to get caught and eventually stabbed and die. Bullshit. It's just it was so amazingly played into the scene. Like she was getting the couple seconds of relief where she could do badass shit. Then she just literally was paralyzed by it. It was perfect. I really liked her weapons, too. I don't think I've ever seen like two half spear like as a a weapon of choice. Like you usually see like just a giant long spear or like a regular sword. But she was wielding something I've never seen before, which was like those two mini spears. So that's cool. Those are the uh, like basically the ideal weapons of choice. They use short spears like that. Yeah, I've never seen that before. That was really cool. And her grabbing the the cape, that was just an iconic, iconic shot since the trailer came out of season one, like forever ago. Like that's been talked about. It looks so cool. Yeah, people have been chomping at the bit to see this scene. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely expanded from the books themselves. This event is just kind of talked about in that a baby was born on the slopes of Dragon Mount. And we know that this battle was happening at the same time that the baby was born. But we've never had like this level of description about it. So the creative liberties, I guess you could say they took were fucking fire. Mm-hmm. It is the I, so the Aiel, who was obviously the, the faction that she's a part of, they're fighting people from Ilian which is a kingdom that we don't know about. We'll find more about, but it is nice that they threw that in there. They are represented. Their standard is the nine bees and on all their breastplates, there's nine bumblebees. Mm. So that's just a little, that's another culture that we will find out more. So about. Tam's from Ilian. Tam is not. He just, when the, when the war started, they'll just take Recruits. soldiers from pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. So he just joined up with the Ilian army and okay. then he kind of works his way up. Gotcha. He's a beast. And he gets that nice sword. And the last little tidbit, I guess, we can talk about for this scene is that so they they give her a name in the x-ray, but her like warrior name is Shiel, 
or Shail, which means one who is dedicated. That's fucking badass. And I think uh, she showed that dedication in this scene. Pretty embodied. Pretty much embodied. Yeah. Is her name important at all? Um, so her name is T- Tigrain Mantir. It's not something that's important now, but obviously she's the mother of the Dragon Reborn. So we will end up learning more about her a lot later. Okay. Dedicated to dying. Whoa. <laughs> Dedicated to pushing that prophesized baby to save the world out. Yeah, that was pretty nuts. That <laughs> yeah. was phenomenal. She's great. I like her a lot. Yeah. All right. So moving into the next scene. So after the, way. <laughs> after the, the opening credits, we actually get it pretty much starts exactly where episode six ends. Mm. So we pick up with everyone screaming about Matt. The ways closes and our group, the Edmonds Field Five or four now, are trying to get them to open it back up. Loyal tells us that we can't channel the one power in the ways because of something called Machin Shin. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? Yeah, no. Uh, it's just so hard. Like, I've already talked about a lot of this on the instant reaction, but the concept of the Black Wind was really cool. I wasn't sure. Like, Machin Shin sounded like it'd be a person. And then they said Black Wind. So I wasn't sure if that'd be a nickname. And it ended up just being like, it looked like a bunch of like bugs kind of like swarming around and talking to the people. I, that's kind of how I took it. But really cool concept. Uh, definitely something that should not be fucked with because obviously even Moraine in that moment was just, well, well when they get to that moment of being attacked by, you know, even she herself is struggling. So uh, for all you Gears of War players out there, uh, it looked like the Krill the the black wind totally it was just like the krill like this black force just coming at you um and i wonder what all yours uh would be what all, the black wind would tell you guys mm. would it be like dave you know that i can't yeah. <laughs> i couldn't tell something. if you were coming with like a real personal insult or you were struggling to say something Wait, your You're penis just... size will never be enough <laughs> <laughs> Two inches going saying. at 100 yeah. miles per hour will not fuck Mine shit up. Mine is, you'll never be able to use the full length of your penis. <laughs> too big. You guys are fairly insecure about these your penises. Well, then, if we're going to Kyle, it's his and him and his erectile dysfunction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, our only insecurities are our penises. <laughs> Honestly, that wouldn't be bad. But unfortunately, the reality is it's a lot more than that. The ways is really cool. And you guys said in the books, it was, it was like straight up a door, right? You just open it and you're in? Yes. So... It's weird. Maybe they couldn't do that because, like, they needed to trap Matt. Like, if if it was just a door, mm-hmm. then Matt being separated from them wouldn't be really an issue because you know he could just open the door again and go through. So, um, it's it's a weird w- way because, like, now it's possible. I just don't like it because that just begs the question: Was the plan? I know we talked about this while the episode was going on, but was the plan to once we get to the week? the way gate that we want to exit from use the power real quick before the black wind came because if that's the plan like i really think that's just a dumb creative decision because you should be able to go through without having to channel i just think that's unnecessary i think the point is that no one uses the ways partly because of that like if the only way you get out is to attract the black wind that's why no one ever uses them like a lot of them are tied to the o gear steadings where the ogre kind of control access to them and they don't let people go in them. So I think it's a little bit of, I agree. Obviously they change it from the books. The way it is in the books is like a little, I don't know if it would pop off the screen as much as the way they did it in the show, but also, yeah, there is an inherent danger to simply using the ways. I think that came across Mm -hmm. in the way it does a little bit in the books, but 
I don't know. I mean, it's I was fine with the way it all worked. I think it looked great. I think them like traveling through it and all like the what are they? The the basalt columns, but you guys talked about it. What are they? The the stalagmites. Yeah, stalagmites. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, mites. They're the mites because they came from below, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the the tights hang tight to the ceiling. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Baby. <laughs> I paid attention, bro. I paid attention. <laughs> so we're moving through the ways, and Perrin is the person that actually he's in the back of the group and he notices something in front of everyone. So that's a nice little nod that his his wolf senses are changing a little bit. So his eyesight is getting a little bit better in the dark. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the, the guiding stone has been defaced and it's going to take us some time to decipher it. So when we have this, this break, essentially, because Loyal's like, hey, I need a little patience. So we know and Rand knows that Loyal's version of patience is more than our version of patience. <laughs> so they basically camp out for the night. Fuck Pat and Fane for I, I'm assuming he had to be the one to this to destroy um, the Guidestone, which would to me make sense because, you know, if he is a dark friend and if that Guidestone literally is telling them how to get to the dark ones like castle or prison, then, of course, you got to destroy it because you don't want people just casually it, being able to do that. It could be Pat and Fane, but I think it's so now that it's in, implied that uh, the Trollocs got to the two rivers through the ways, mm-hmm. like episode one, like you could start jumping to conclusions that it was probably pot and fame was related to it, but maybe like that time through the ways is when they were destroying it. So yeah, it could have been just the Trolloc armies yeah. in general yeah. or him. Maybe it's, it's kind of hard to tell, but there, there's some cool things that we subtle things that we get throughout this part of the ways. And one thing I didn't catch the first time at all was land and Moraine's conversation about Matt. Like what if Matt is the dragon reborn and then, like, I didn't really put it together, I guess, because I was just, like, so absorbed in the ways that Moraine was saying, like, she cannot let, if Matt is the true Dragon Reborn, she can't let him go to the Dark One because it's he, he's just going to completely join him if he is. So I love that about that whole scene. It justifies her sending the Red Ajas through men after him in case that they do die and it, none of them were the Dragon because he, this motherfucker is so corrupted that he's going to, if he sees the Dark One, he's going mm. to be bad. Yeah. So I liked all like that little line that Moraine and land has between land. Like that was so that was good justification on the second round through. Mm-hmm. I also like how uh, loyal here mentions how the ways used to have soft verdant grass, but now one wrong step sends you into a void. I'm just curious as a, as a non book reader to understand like what happened within the ways that made them become like this. Like if it was the dark one, if it's someone else uh, who just wanted to like make people not use the ways because they are so, strong like or you know not strong but like so important and, yeah um so it'll be interesting to see what happened there in that time great Just, question yeah so let's yeah. move on how, can i ask really quickly like, <laughs> did, they didn't tell us like how long ago it happened right like it seemed like it happened before loyal's time the way he was wording it I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're probably going to give us more information on it. Yeah, I'm going to just leave it up to the show yeah. to talk more about it. Okay. They, they're going to play more of a role. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll let the show talk about it mm-hmm. and then you just kind of keep that in the back of your mind mm-hmm. and then the ways will show back up maybe something will happen and you'll be that leonardo dicaprio <laughs> meme from once upon a time in yeah. hollywood yeah, yeah exactly but um, i, do I, think it's I cool. want that for you it is cool the idea that it was at one point like vegetation or something and it like it was like a and forest. i wonder and i wonder if you know the black wind was always there or if now because of how it got destroyed and whatever that it just maybe the black wind was the reason it got destroyed but mm-hmm. yeah. just me theory like just throwing out ideas so Luke mentioned that there were Trollocs moving through the ways. We actually get a singular Trolloc that attacks the camp and Rand protects Egwene 
from this. He kind of shields her a little bit, but Egwene. It's so hard to tell in the yeah, moment. Exactly. Like the he, first time you watch it, it's it's you just assume that Egwene is the person that channels because we've she's the only one that has of the Amon's field. Well, okay, besides Nynaeve, but yeah, the only like of the women. Yeah, she even apologizes to everyone and is like, "I didn't mean to channel. It just kind of happened on instinct." So now we're kind of off to the races. We know that the uh, the Black Wind Machin Shin is attracted to channeling by the One Power. So now we're rushing. So we're not now going to the eye of the world directly. We need to go to now Faldara, which is the closest way gate. So I just I think they kept the tension up really good in the ways. I didn't think that they were there that long, but I think it worked well because we just kind of immediately get to this point where, okay, the Black Wind's chasing us and we got to get the fuck out of here. I was actually a little shocked that they get attacked by the Black Wind. Like it makes physical contact with them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a little different, like how it works and what it can do in the book. So I, I was too. But can we talk about the, well, just to say what everybody yeah. heard? Um, I actually kind of missed what Moraine heard. She is hers was hers, about like not being able to protect the kids. You're gonna, yeah, yeah, so you're, you're gonna, gonna kill these people and then call it glo- like justice or yeah. glory or, or in like the name of the yeah. Okay, Rand was that Egwene will never love him and she's gonna leave him again. Perrin's was more about killing his wife. And getting because, her out of the way because, because he loves Egwene. someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. And then Nynaeve was uh she's just gonna hear the screams of all of her friends dying, basically. And land is you can't protect her, you'll watch her die. Right. And I guess it's a little ambiguous of whether it's Moraine or Nynaeve at this point. Still pissed we didn't get Loyal's perspective. I want him, I wanted to see what they were telling me. <laughs> you'll him. never be fast enough. <laughs> you'll to... never be fast enough. I... <laughs> you slow the group down. Yeah. That's actually really funny. They might like it, okay, so it'll never become a thing, but we'll get a little more characterization of Loyal later. But just very vaguely, Loyal is terrified of being married. <laughs> You're going to find true love one day. <laughs> this is your horrible speech. You're going to find true yes, love. How, up. how yeah. terrible is Loyal, that? Loyal's afraid of two things. It's basically his mom and marriage. That's Well, that doesn't surprise yeah. me that he would have mother issues and that would yeah. transcend to him not wanting yes. to be married. So that she doesn't surprise me. That's like because people ask about this online and two of the answers were basically like, you're about books like you'll never write a book That's or like i would have literally yeah done. like all you'll the books all the books in the world would be burned or things like that <laughs> or like your mom's gonna make you get married <laughs> that's awesome that's so, so hilarious i think i guess because because it's loyal and he's such a jolly guy and his fears are kind of funny compared to everyone else's it probably would have ruined the mood yeah definitely i mean 100%, was like, yeah. you're gonna get married <laughs> you know so, his mom just screaming at him yeah i think that's why they kind of cut uh they didn't let him have his moment like that but Black Wind end up causing Nynaeve to hear her vision last, and she just freaks out and has like an explosion of power like she did at the end of episode four. And that allows Moraine, who's going ham on channeling right now, like bending backwards and shit. She looked crazy while she was like hustling. And she opens the gate and they all run through close. And then we're looking at the, the city of Faldara. Which again, said in the instant reaction, just looked really nice. Just seeing all the different, like, we've only seven episodes in, but we've already seen so, like, a lot of this world, it feels like, between like Shadar Logoth and, you know, uh, the two rivers and all the space in between where they are now. It's, it's really cool just seeing the different uh, styles of how they wanted to represent each. Uh, yeah, field. it's like a, the borderlands are just a desert, basically. And I it's like the edge. And I, I want to show you guys a map so you guys, you guys have enough knowledge now through seven episodes to understand a map um but yeah it's just like the whole outer edge of the continent that's relevant is just like 
desert. And I also like the idea that the blight is the reason that it's a desert. So again, I'm wondering if, you know, if it used to, again, like the ways have grass and if it was actually like a, you know, a very more beautiful uh, nation than it already is, you know, so. So let's have a conversation quickly about the blight while you brought it up, because I have a question and it might not be answerable because of how different the take of the blight is in the show versus the book. But like, is that shit? Do we think it's like it moves as the Trollocs take air? We discussed like this on the instance, so you weren't able to hear it. Yeah. But what we, what I asked Kyle was like, can you like, you know, burn the blight? Can you like fight against it? He said, not really. It's like as the Dark One increases his power, it kind it of just, just expands. Growing. Yeah, and it's not a like you can't just really fight it. It's more about what's inside the blight. It seems like is what Kyle was saying that like Trollocs live in there, Fades live in there. I think the mechanics work the same in like the way that it advances is mm-hmm. kind of direct proportional to the dark one's influence on the world mm-hmm. it's somewhat of a physical manifestation of how much influence he has yeah it's just that it's now in the version of this kind of plant for like dead plant forest versus just like barren wastelands of okay. no plant life and poisonous because like, that is what bodies. i envisioned is just like basically death like like in the books like desert just yeah, growing like where a, not no life can grow and it just keeps getting yeah. bigger like i Zara, do like this a lot like if zara from fairy tale were to like just walk by yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Exactly. literally exactly that's basically what it's like, like in the books yeah. i just think it visually looks so much better i like it better. i like this too. in the show because it, it like it physically shows that like there's an issue going on with the blight like if it was just like a wasteland like that can just that could just be anywhere in the world, you know, somewhere yeah. that's hot. It could just be a wasteland where the blight just shows that, okay, there's actually something unnatural occurring here. And yeah. it's because of these plants. I, dude, I'm so happy with how it looks. Yeah. And there's other areas that are like kind of desert areas that I don't think it would hit as hard if it's like we're at another desert, like yeah, the blight exactly. is another desert, you yeah. know? So it's kind of like, I, I really like the take. Mm-hmm. Right, it worked so out let's well. Let's jump back to Land. Baldara. Yeah. Land reuniting with his homies was really cool. I love seeing Land. Just land being happy in general just brings a smile to my face because he's always so serious and you never really we get a couple moments with him and his uh warder buddies and everything, but like moments, yeah, whenever Dai Shin is smiling, I'm 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 happy. <laughs> so we had this little bit of a mix up on the instant reaction. Mm-hmm. It's Dai Shan with an uh, A. Because Machin Shin, because B Tom's actually asked of the Shin Shan, he thought it was both Shin, of them Shin. ended in Shin. So he was like, why do they? Ha- why is it the same surname or like same second word? Yeah. But it's actually different. So funny because yeah. I wrote my notes say Daishan, like correct, but I said Daishan because I thought it was Daishan. <laughs> I still remember, yeah. like even we, we just watched the episode, I still in my head think it's Daishan. So Moraine actually, when they first get out, mentions that we have friends in these borderlands. And then we have, we see that live as Lan goes towards the throne room, is greeted by those soldiers. Mm-hmm. And he kind of hugs a couple of them. They call him Daishan, like we just said. The guy with the eye patch, like I mentioned on the instant reaction, his name is Uno, an absolute legend, fan <laughs> fan favorite character. Really? Yeah, the guy with one eye is named Uno. Uh, yeah, it's just oh, ironic. So funny, yeah. Yeah. Ironic. I see what you did. Oh, there. Wow. I see what you did there. Is that Very on purpose? No. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made it on purpose for you, so there you go. I would have believed you. So the squad moves into the throne room, and we are greeted by Lord Agomar. So Lord Agomar is the Lord of Faldara. And they have an interesting kind of confrontation here. Mm. He's a little bit hostile at first. Then Moraine kind of drops the knowledge bomb about the ways on him and he Mm. settles down a little bit. So this is an interesting depiction of people from the Borderlands. In the books, they're really pro Aes Sedai. At least Lord Agamar and Faldara are Mm. because they get it. They understand, like they know their importance. The, they know the the dark ones an actual thing mm. that they kind of fight with Trollocs and 
and fades and shit. I mean, well, they're right next yeah, to all of they, it, so they, they know are firsthand. The front line defense of the world, basically, yeah. right now. Yeah, and while people in the South think that those kind of things are myths and not real, so they think the Aes Sedai are dark friends mm-hmm. because they can use magic, while the Borderlanders actually know what's mm-hmm. going on. And that's a perfect segue into something I absolutely love about Faldara. They probably won't say it in the show, but one of the cool things about Faldara's policies, like for the city, is you're never allowed to have your hood up. So you can't be like a trollic in disguise or a fade because you mm. have to walk around with your with your hood down because they're so close and so easily infiltratable. That's just like a cool rule. Like, they, yeah, you know, their minds me of. Alice in Borderlands at the beach. Gotta yeah, wear, no, gotta yeah, wear gotta bathing, bathing suit. Beat so, you. Oh, what is the rule? R- rule sun. <laughs> you got <laughs> it. No, I, just, oh, no, I thought you were getting it. I, I have it like the first half. I just don't remember how it ends. But shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Alice in Borderlands exactly podcast. exactly like that, honestly. Yeah. Just uh, no threats. The line that Loyal had to land walking in saying like, you know, how many years has it been since you like walked through these gates? last and he doesn't really answer but i kind of want to know because is he hundreds of years older is no, he? not no. hundreds but like when was the last time they've seen land does he look any different like was it like 10 years ago or and like? i feel like they say too they make a comment like you look the same i, I would like. guess that it's been at least 20 years because doesn't moraine say me and oh, you've shit. been what? shit if I had to guess, I would say that New Spring, the prequel book, happens 20 years beforehand. Although I will say, and that takes place in the Borderlands, it's not in Faldara itself. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure. They like they do know who Moraine is, so I would assume that maybe they've been there at some point in those 20 years. Yeah, that's true. So I, it's 20 years or less. And especially if they're the front line of defense. I mean, I feel like the Aes Sedai should be moving in, in between there and White Tower pretty often. I love Moraine putting him in his place because it seemed like he had an ego and he was like all insecure thinking this person's coming to tell me how to lead. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to, you know, pull his balls out and say, hey, I got this. Don't worry. We have guarded Tarwin's gap for a thousand years. Yeah. And Moraine's like, dude, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Just letting you know. (laughs) She does say that. You you might as well guard the back as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just like fuck i didn't know that that's a good point <laughs> i'm gonna go uh guard it right now um so it felt good that he kind of like apologized right after he was like i offended you and i was like yeah you did you kind of came off hard i like i like his design i really am interested like he just seems like a warrior and i just really want to see him fight i think that'll be especially if he's right on the edge of the blight and you're saying that trollocs and fades most likely are just always in and out of there i just feel like he would just be a a total badass it's like a super general yeah just exactly he'll yeah. be he'll put his body on the line yeah the borderlanders all of them are basically kind of warrior societies the the shinarin so faldar is in the kingdom of shinar they have a very like honor-based warrior system and they're just fucking bosses i like them a lot and i guess while we're on this topic too um so is lan's title daishin mean that he would eventually take that guy's seat or is that no. something else okay. so Land is from a completely different kingdom. And we'll, okay. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, we can get into that a little later. Okay, I just wasn't sure. And to jump off your point about Agomar and interested in him, and he must be like a nice big military guy. There is a, I guess, a concept for lack of a better term. There's five generals on the continent that are famous. They're known mm-hmm. as the five great captains. He is one of them. 
Awesome. Give me it. Let me, yeah, let me see so him epic. fight. Yeah, let me see <laughs> yeah. him fucking fight. We will end up meeting the other four throughout the story. We haven't met any yet. No. So I, was, I wasn't any. sure if like the Amaralyn C could be a part of that or no, we haven't met yeah. any of them. We will get to them, but he is one of the five like most famous military generals I, on the continent. Yes, he's a kind of a dick and came off really strong, but I think that love for his people and that logic that he was using, that like, okay, you're making a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. it just shows his experience and I just think I'm already interested in him, definitely. Yeah, his vibe shift when she says like the Waygate is, is yeah. a threat right now was awesome. I love that shift, absolutely. But speaking of that, that that gives us the quick flash to something I didn't get to talk about in the instant reaction that I'm very excited to is Padon Fane makes an appearance. He did make his quick appearance in the ways, um, but dude, just the way this is my this might be my favorite thing that they did in the entire show is just how they treated him once the reveal to me. Once you Kyle, you told me that he's kind of been in the background of a lot of episodes. We did that prior to watching the episode seven again. Uh, Luke and I were just kind of going through all the scenes of the earlier episodes and just pointing out, okay, there he is, there he is. And it's literally when Kyle told me that on the instant reaction, I was like, that is the coolest fucking thing in the world. And that is like what makes great television are those kinds of things that they just hint at throughout the episodes and you you don't really catch right away. And especially how obvious it is. He's on screen. Like Mm -hmm. he's literally the center of attention. He's like random, like cut shots of like towns and stuff. And you just never notice it. And then we parents finally notices it in this episode, which is just... he is one of my favorite um, characters, I would say, in the early parts oh, of the books, just oh, because of how like we're going to get more on him. I won't even ruin anything oh, about it. But dude, his like he's just casual. He's walking. He's whistling. He's got a little his... motif in the background. It's just fucking money. man. His strut walking out of the ways just like this guy is you can tell he's cold. He's just a calculated. Fuck. I don't know if he's going to be a killer, but like he's calculated. Definitely. And everything that he's done he seems like he just knows it's going to happen. Like he just has that foresight of like, okay, you know, he's, he's really confident too. He's, oh, he yeah. doesn't look worried. He's not sneaking. He's, we saw how charismatic he was in episode one. So when we watched it live for the first time, me and like chase and Alki and stuff, we uh, like watched the um, previously on. Yeah. And it shows the scene where Matt walks up to pot on fame yeah. and talks and Chase is like, oh, they just showed Pot on Fane. And I was like, yeah, that was just for Matt. Like, it was just showing Matt's face. Like, I don't know. I was <laughs> oh, trying, trying, I was to, trying to talk, talk him away yeah. from it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to say something that is not going to be a spoiler because the show explicitly shows it, but doesn't state it. But it's kind of hard to connect these dots because we're worried about the main characters, like the people from Evansfield, Moraine Land, that Pat and Fane kind of just casually walked through the Black Wind. Mm. He was behind them. Yeah. So he's just kind of hanging out inside the wind. I I'm guess just, that, give, that gives you a little bit more insight into what's good with him. I just don't think that would affect him. I just think, yeah, based on this part, like what we've seen, I just think that this guy is going to be low key, very strong. And I just think whatever the Black Wind is whispering him in that moment, it's like, you're it's too nothing cool. He ha- you're too cool. Yeah. It's nothing he hasn't heard before. I'm guessing it's just like, you'll never be a great whistler. You'll never be a great dark one. <laughs> mm. okay. Interesting. No comment. How about that? He could. I mean, yeah, my theory in the instant reaction was that he's the dark one. Could be. (laughs) Oh, you taking that? Uh, Yeah, uh, it was Paul actually (laughs) made that theory, and I was trying to piss him off. That is a Paul theory. To move us out of the throne room, the last thing I will say, small critique. Loyal. We see him in this scene, and this is the end of him in this episode. A little unfortunate. The Borderlanders have a lot of respect for Ogier when Moraine and Lan call him Builder in Tarvalon. 
they do the same thing in Faldara often. They always they always greet him with glory to the builders. They could have thrown us one of those. I feel like like come on, he could have given us one guy saying like when they meet Lan in the in the hallway and they say Daishan, they could have looked at Loyal and been like glory to the builders and gave him a bow. True, you know. Yeah, it would have been nice getting loyal some credit where it's credit is due. Yeah, I feel like they've been uh, kind of dicking loyal over a little bit. A he little got bit. his time in the ways in the beginning, but yeah, he could. He yeah, because this is more. the last we see of him. So I just want to just acknowledge his parting from the episode. Mm-hmm. So we move out of the throne room. We get to meet now Lady Amalisa, who is Lord Agamar's sister. So the two of them together kind of run Faldara. And we learn that she's actually been to the White Tower. She has a serpent ring. She is not an Aes Sedai, though. She kind of went almost as a formality. She wasn't strong enough to become an Aes Sedai. So they still taught her a little bit about how to use the power so she doesn't kill herself. And she still gets a ring. It doesn't have a color on it because she was never formally admitted to an Aja. But so she has connections. That's why, like when Luke said earlier, she tells Moraine, rather, this is tells Lady Amalisa to tell the Red Aja about Matt. As a contingency plan if they fail. Yes. Does she? So she doesn't have a ward then. No, she doesn't have a warder. You learn the the weave of using the one power to do that, to bond someone after you become a full Aes Sedai. Like, they don't just teach kids so I know, that. And I know the Aes Sedai have gold rings as well. Like, since she had one, like, is there a gem that gets placed into that ring? And yeah. then that would make it official. But so it, this yeah. kind of shows that she was almost at that level. Yeah. So the... So just very. I just think of that gold ring, like gold ring. And yeah. We'll get into it for men's scene, but that's just what it was. Either that gold ring or like an Aes Sedai gold ring. So I weren't sure if they were the same or not. Just a very quick rundown. When you first get admitted, you're a novice. You work your way up to accepted. Mm-hmm. Accepted, get those blank rings. Okay. And then when you become full Aes Sedai, you get your gem with the color in it. Makes sense. The only reason I asked about the water was because if she does die, like who's going to bring the ring back to the flame? You know, the whole step True. in. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Scene that we got before, you know, that was a big ritual and it was a duty for him. So I wonder if. I mean, you could ask I the same like, question about the Red Sisters because they don't have orders. I yeah. feel like the Red Sisters would be responsible for bringing back a fallen Red Sisters ring. And then in this scenario, yeah. I feel like it would maybe be the, the brother. The brother would probably be the one to do it. Moraine does say, I think it's in episode two or three, when they're talking about how she can't heal herself. That's why they travel in pairs. Mm. So maybe I guess it would fall to another red sister. That is a good point, though. I guess another point would be that maybe they don't give a fuck about accepted yeah. rings. Like, do they care? That's kind of insulting, but do they care? Yeah, I guess you wouldn't like you know, be worthy kind mm-hmm. of to be in this. Yeah, flame. And I mentioned this on the instant reaction, but for people who didn't listen to that, this is directly related to episode one when Moraine and Nynaeve have that confrontation at the sacred pools, and Nynaeve basically says to Moraine. The White Tower turned away my mentor, the Old Wisdom, because she was a peasant from the White Tower. But in reality, what actually happened was that the woman wasn't strong enough to channel. So that's why they turned her away. Uh, Then that woman's bias was like, okay, they turned me away because I was a peasant. She passed that bias down to Nynaeve, and now Nynaeve has that in her. Wow. That's why Nynaeve just hates Moraine. That's so annoying. It's the combo of that and because Moraine is, is like the face of dragging them out of the village into this adventure. It's not really Moraine's fault, but Nani doesn't always think logically. Yeah, she's got a tood. Yeah, she definitely has a little bit of a tood. In time. Yes. Moving out of the, uh, I guess, the throne room and the talk with these lords, we go to a bar. Everyone needs a fucking drink at this point after dealing with Machin Shin. 
Before we get there, though, we have two quick and very interesting interactions. Dave mentioned earlier, Perrin believes that he sees Pat and Fane, mm-hmm. and Nynaeve shoots him down. If she had only just like accepted that Pat and Fane could have walked by, I don't know what like what the like again. I don't know what Pat and Fane is, and I don't know what his goal is in all this. I just assume he's evil. So if they had just accepted that Pat and Fane walked by, and they like go confront him and like, oh, what are you doing here? Like that, whatever happens going forward could have been potentially prevented by just addressing it there. I think you're like that's a very audience, I know, I know. It's, audience perspective. No, yeah, it's just totally. I was just like, because you know like, he's go, alive. Yeah, just go get him real quick, and we'll see. I don't understand why Egwene was like so dead set on no you're completely wrong there's absolutely no naive 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 okay sorry naive was just you know no no you obviously are just seeing things like what, what do you know like maybe he actually did something you didn't see a pet and fane die and that's like the big fucking that's the point too is she gets taken before the battle's over yeah <laughs> so she actually doesn't know what the conclusion was yeah like it's not you're acting like parents insane this this traveling peddler is in like a different city and I don't know. to defend that a little bit, which is crazy because I was on his <laughs> side a second ago. But now I'm just kind of thinking like Nynaeve also has seen that parent and like especially how he's been acting not only from how after killing his wife, but also how he's been acting after interacting with the Black Wind. I think she's just like uh, you're just hearing and seeing things that are just not that's true. That's true. Yeah, because honestly, that segues perfectly into the second interaction that I want to bring up is Egwene and Rand and Egwene notices Rand's being quiet. She's trying to reassure him by saying everything that the wind said was a lie. It's not true. And on the second watch, you realize that that's actually a lie because the wind tells him that he is the dragon reborn. Yeah. And he is thinking that in his head at this moment. You obviously don't know this when you first watch and see the interaction. But on your rewatch, you know that he has those thoughts in his head. And he knows that she's wrong when she says that. When you say it like that, I wonder why there were lies, but then we all of a sudden get this one truth from the black wind that it's like you are the dragon well the black wind it's it's not always lies it's just i guess yeah they're like yeah i mean so it was that is his biggest insecurity at the time essentially is the combo of losing Egwene and him being the dragon reborn Mm -hmm. he does have doubt in him at this scene but we know that it's actually the truth Mm -hmm. yeah and if one's true why would the other not be so you know Egwene really couldn't like n- maybe not love him back as much as Rand loves Egwene because you know if him being the DR is true that might be true as well. Also, as soon as they got out of the ways, like you see Rand crying and like a, a tears rolling down as she can Egwene's like, "Hey, are you okay?" And you're thinking like, "Okay, you know, it's just he's worried about Egwene," but that was actually him, like kind of coming to terms, like the beginning of him yeah. coming to terms and struggling with fuck, like. He's getting close. I would agree with you, though, Dave. I, I guess I did go a little far in saying it's a lie. Rand's not 100% thinking that he's the Dragon Reborn yet. I'm just thinking of like what Moraine was told like when it's telling him, like, you won't save these kids. But like there is a possibility that she does. So if she does, yeah. then that becomes a lie. So if it's telling, you know, that's just what I was thinking. No, but I, it, very fair. there are grains of truth within everything that they the Black Wind was telling them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a very fair. Uh, a very fair take on a it. grain of truth which nice. is yeah, yeah. Your episode you one watch the witcher and uh, check out our coverage of it <laughs> we get into the bar now yeah. so the squad gets these much needed drinks and moraine goes up to the bar itself and we meet min luke do you want to talk a little yeah, bit about dude, min? min's the best dude i love her so much like her character in the book is just so great and 
she does a, they do a great job of showing what her power is she is a seer shout out werewolves she <laughs> can just literally look at someone's face and images pop into her head i was so curious at how they were going to visualize this they did a great job of it and one of my favorite lines that she says and it might even be in the second conversation later is that the clearer the images are the more important that the people that she's looking at are to the pattern mm-hmm. aka like tavir basically um so I love that. And when she's talking to Moraine, she gets the she's she's a lot older than she is in the books. And it's a little weird. Like they, they aged her up and we meet her a little bit later than normal. But she same things apply to her. Like there's no real major changes for her character. She gives these quick foretellings, I guess, for each of our four main characters sitting at the table because Nine Oh, no. Who's Matt's, no, not, Matt's there. not there? Yeah, yeah Matt's yeah. not there. She, yeah. uh, just a very quick, small thing. When she views matt in the books great it's yeah. so fire what she says about him it's, and what it she comes sees up like the, it's so early in the books yeah. she sees like ruby dagger she sees the dagger before yeah. he grabs the dagger you see that in like mm-hmm. chapter four and you're yeah. just like what the fuck does that mean that's wow. cool wow, that's pretty yeah. cool yeah. and i guess we can just establish that they're not visions or whatever it's just they're viewings they call them viewings mm-hmm. and it's a completely separate skill slash power than the one power okay that that was literally about to be my question yeah. was are there multiple can there be multiple seers and if so can some of them be guys as well like i think if- she's just a unique entity in this world and that's what she says to like moraine assures her i'm one of the only people that knows your real deal like what's going on with you i haven't told this people from the white tower if they knew what you were you would either be dead or locked up and like yeah. studied and stuff like that she, like blackmails her a little bit yeah. there. It's it's kind of fucked up. Moraine's a little ruthless. Yeah. She's kind of I mean, use that fu- that power is incredible. Use that shit. This is the the time to use it. She I just feel like this is uh, it's also cool too because we the only real magic we've ever seen is just associated with the one power and so now we get a being that has magic but it isn't associated with the one power. So it's just cool getting that. It's so- the two power. <laughs> yeah, the secondary power. Fuck, he power. solved it. How do you catch that? <laughs> Shit, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, so what she sees going down the line, she first sees Perrin with yellow eyes and blood running down his chin. That one seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. straightforward. Rand is seen rocking a baby. Put a pin in that for a second. And then there's talk about you wanna, that. You want to put a pin in a baby? I'm, I'm just gonna read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I guess by design they turn the camera away. From oh, yeah. the table, yeah. It's just, and then what about Min, the girls? Yeah, she Min says, proceeds to say the back-to-back girl foretellings and says white flame and a uh, ring of gold. So first, back to Rand's thing. What the fuck do you think that is? I didn't get to talk about it. Kyle did a good job of holding me off because I was about to get into it on the instant reaction. I so I didn't get it. I didn't get to talk about it. Hold me back. So mine's a long shot. I just like we said, the, the these viewings can either be. Um, like metaphorical or like kind of very real, like with, with yeah, with parents with the eyes and fangs. Um, to me, I think the child is going to be Rand's kid, but I think that when we see shows like this with a lot of like femininity and just female dominated societies, I always feel like pregnancies and childbirth are always like a huge thing for people, and that in those moments, you know, you can usually sometimes tap into some powers, like based off what I've seen in old shows. So I'm just thinking if um, the child itself is just like is also going to be destined for something and that like, I, I don't know. I just think that there's going to be some metaphorical thing here. But I think Rand will also become a father with Egwene. So on the second rewatch, I re- realized that the baby has like dark black hair. OK. And 
that kind of confused me because you know if you're an Iulan, I assume that's like a dominant trait is the red hair. So if you have a kid, most likely it's going even with not another Iulan. If you have a kid with somebody fifty percent Iul. Well, yeah, it's you know, is it is your hair gonna be uh red a hundred percent of the time? Like is it the dominant trait? So mm. I don't know if that necessarily had to be Rand's kid. Mm. Um it, it might be like you know, somebody's one of the other ones that, you know, just dies or something like that, and he's like, Take care of it. I, mm. I have no idea. Could just be a metaphor that Rand is daddy. Yeah. Rand, <laughs> Rand is daddy. And... What do you have to say about the Rand baby scene? I think uh, we should all collectively watch and find out. Mm, okay. I mean, I, I it's certainly like, a change. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't even know what that is. The other three so are probably just, freely yeah. guess. I was going to say, honestly, a lot of the viewings that happen in book one that you know about, you have no idea what they are yet because you're only what beginning of book four. Yeah. So a lot of them have still yet to come. Yeah. I, like I, guess. that vision meant nothing to me. So I'm going to put a just dart throw on the board. Because I think, look at him throwing darts at a baby now. <laughs> Pin him, dart him, I don't give a fuck. Uh, I actually like what Paul pointed out there, that the kid didn't have red hair. So I'm leaning towards, that could be Lan and Nynaeve's baby. That could be... I mean, Egwene has black hair too, so it could have been that. So that could be baby. I don't think it's his baby. <laughs> I just don't think it's Rand's. I think it could be Rand's, you know, endgame fostering a kid. And it could be of one of the... One of the five, it could be Matt. I, Matt's yeah. not having a fucking kid. The Gwen and Perrin's kid, because they get together. That would be crazy. I'm guessing not even Land's kid. I don't know. Maybe that's that's what happens. I said this on the instant reaction, too, and I, I try not to shoot down theories because I like the speculation, but no, Paul. <laughs> that is not happening. Oh, come on. I thought you loved the, you know, Perrin actually has a thing for Gwen. I guess I can't say without 100% certainty that the show won't make Perrin knock Egwene up. Yeah. I could. will stop watching <laughs> if that happens. So right, you can put that on the board. The other two. You can fucking yeah. pin that to the board that I'll stop watching <laughs> if Perrin if Perrin fucking knocks Egwene up. All right, let's go to the, the girls' visions and guess who is who. White Flame for me, it's just naive. Episode four, Logan compares her powers to like a flaming white sun. So boom, white flame is naive. And then the ring is uh, the gold ring is going to be for Egwene, who I always had thought would be um, like a I said, I definitely potential for Amaral and seat. I think between in this generation of uh, I said, I think it's either between her and Nynaeve for the Amaral and seat. But I think that's just associated with Egwene with her becoming eventually an I said, I remember. Okay. Paul, this is totally me simplifying it, but I'm going to assume that she looked at them from left to right. Like she was, you know, reading and listening off. So I'm going to say Nynaeve was to the far left. I believe. And she said white flame first. So, yeah, I think Nynaeve is yeah. going to be the white flame. And then, uh, you know. So you and agree we, with and we don't yeah. And we don't know necessarily what the white flame is. Is that just like an immense usage of one power? Like, I just, I feel like we've been alluded to a white flame before. And I just, I don't know if it's like a person or if I, it's just like a title. To be honest, I thought it was the... F- the flame of Tar Valon. Yeah, that's what I'm just mixing it up with my head. I don't know if it's just a coincidence or if that is like a synonym also, for like the White Tower or the Amarland Seat or something. It is also annoying because in The Witcher, there's like a like one of the characters I think in the, the show mirror. is called, yeah, they call him the White Flame. So I'm also yeah. probably m- maybe getting that yes. confused with The Witcher as well. So it's annoying right. that we have two fantasy shows right now that reference the White Flame. Except not annoying at all because I'm in fantasy 
heaven. Right? Yeah, true. Uh, last thing that happens too is is Min does a small, quick reading for Moraine on herself, and she says that the Omerlin seat is going to be your downfall. You said Min does a small, and you could have said Min does a mini reading. <laughs> Thanks, man. I don't think there's much to read into that. That just seems like a typical tropey kind of thing. Yeah, Swan like her shot. love, her Omerlin seat is going to be the downfall. Swan Shansu is going to kill, get killed, or kill Moraine. Something seems like to that. be her one soft spot. Is Swan. I'm going to bite my tongue. If you read all the books, you'll know where I'm coming from. Yeah. That kind of, of rhymed a little bit. So that was cool. <laughs> we move out of the bar. We move to the post game. We're all hanging out by the fire. And Moraine kind of comes in and gives everybody the lowdown on what's actually good. She now tells them that everyone's going to go to the eye of the world. One of them is the dragon. Everyone who's not is going to die. I'm a little shocked that they kind of put it out there like that. I like it. I like how Ran too. So I guess to set the scene a little more, not to get ahead of myself. She says this naive of all people obviously fights back a little bit. Rain and Lan end up leaving. She gives them the pseudo choice of being able to not go, which clearly is not really a thing. As Ran then says in this conversation that anything in I said, I says is not optional. Dave, you would like to say something? Um, yes, I would like to address that. I didn't really like the idea of her presenting this option right now because it's like you already sent them through the ways and you're already a day's trek from the dark one. You're going to tell them now that like, well, that's specifically because she thought men was going to give them the answer. Yeah. Okay. I would actually push back on that a little bit. She thought men was going to give them the answer after they took the detour to fall Dara. Because they were going to go right to the eye of the world. That's very true. Faldara was a detour. And then once they went there, she was like, oh, let me go to Min to double check. As an option to save three of them. Like this this speech should have been given before they went into the ways. And then this would have made Matt stand. They Uh, weren't going to go, though, is the thing. I mean, I don't know. Gwen is pretty always on board of like, I'm going to do this because this is greater than us. So like, I feel like even if she did present it, then like Gwen, no matter what, would have gone in. And then maybe Rand, because of Gwen goes in, is like, I have to defend her, follows. Well, my question is, what changed between them first going into the ways and like and now with Moraine's decision to tell them? They, because they didn't Wayne literally asked before they went into the ways, you know, well, what's going to happen to the rest of us? Like, you know, the Dragon Reborn is going to face off. What's going to happen with the rest? Moraine says it's impossible to tell for sure. They're certain. Yeah. Basically dancing around the answer. So, like, what changed between then and when they accidentally go to, I think, uh, for who are you saying? Like, what do you mean by what? Like for, for the Moraine, group, for the what changed in Moraine's mind that she was like, I don't want to tell him now. And then later on, she's like, okay, I'm going to tell him that they might die. I think it was because tensions were really high at that point in time. She just needed to, like, everyone was so confused on what was going on. And I think she's just like, okay, I can see tensions are building. Let me just lay it all out. Watching Chin too. <laughs> I think part, I okay, that's a great point as well, Luke, that Machin Shin is kind of teasing her with the say that she's going to get them all killed part of me gotcha. this is t- obviously taking an assumption because it's never really shown i think moraine has an idea of who it is she doesn't know for sure and i think she's kind of putting this ultimatum out there because she thinks that whoever is like Actually, that someone we'll else is say. having this internal conflict about it which is rand is going to then say fuck okay okay like it's me like they're, yeah. they're gonna talk about it and work it out 
I got you. And then an answer is going to pop out. It did work out for her. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. I like that. Basically put the burden on the DR shoulders. Just make yeah. it such a burden that like they'll just feel guilty if they don't go. So. And it's perfect that it is Rand because I would say Rand and I would I mean, I guess all four of them would eventually have come to that conclusion that they wouldn't want to let the other ones die. But it works out perfectly in Moraine's favor. And then the worst scene of the entire show. Yeah, yeah I just time. I hate talking about it. I hate thinking about it, but Let's just not go too deep into. Yeah. It. To make a long, terrible story short. Parents kind of into Egwene. Rand doesn't like it. They get mad about it. Fuck that. Yeah, honestly, moving on. <laughs> no, they drop some breadcrumbs it's a little bit of an expansion of a storyline in the books that's maybe a total of three sentences <laughs> i don't know why they did it in my head an amazon exec was like add tension so they mm. did so it, it wasn't necessary in my eyes and whatever it, it did give us the iconic naive um, braid tug which she does all the time in the books whenever she's nervous or like thinking someone she's always just like pulling on the braid so people have been waiting for her to do that she mm. did it there at the end because she kind of caused that whole fight I have um, some statistics for you. So throughout the 15 books, there are 60 braid tugs. <laughs> and Nynaeve is pretty much all of them. That's awesome. She does. Yeah, pretty much all of them. That's funny. There's, yeah, 60 braid tugs. And then we've seen Nynaeve a decent amount smooth her skirts. That's mm. another little nervous tick of hers. That happens 123 times in the series. Christ. So I want to say this might be our first braid tug. We get the iconic braid toss in episode three when she kills the Trolloc mm. and comes out of the pools. People like that. But this may be our first braid tug. Mm. Nice. And actually, many. only one happens in the eye of the world. So then we really ramp it up as the series goes on. <laughs> she gets anxious. Yeah. <laughs> She's tugging the fuck out of that braid. She was tugging that braid. And she was like, damn, I wish this was land right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of land, that's going to he's going to be the main point of view for our next like three or four scenes here. Yeah. So before we can actually get into the land, oh God, land and naive shit, land and Moraine have a very quick moment while the squad is arguing. And the main point of this scene is basically that Moraine and land have dedicated their entire lives to this mission. Moraine's a little regretful that she kind of pulled land out of his previous life while land says to her, I pretty much didn't have a life. So this is fine with me. It's crazy. He's like, yeah, I, uh, you gave me a reason to live and something to die for, but it's like he had a uh, he had a whole kingdom, and that wasn't enough to live no. for him. Well, his kingdom's no more. It's literally taken over by the blight. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the kingdom's gone. Like that's why he was smuggled out when he was eight years old. Is that what they said? He was a young child. He was yeah. a baby. God, okay, I misinterpreted that. The fuck that. did I get eight years old from? You really made that up. I, I made that up. <laughs> yeah, he was legitimate newborn child. Like swaddling clothes, eight, crying. He was eight, eight minutes months? old. He might have been eight. Yeah, maybe eight months. I'll give you, but eight years is probably a little too much. Moraine also says in this scene as the parting shot, like I do like the wisdom. So that's like a, uh, because of the bond. Like she knows what's really going on internally yeah. with Land and stuff, and he she kind of reemphasizes. Nynaeve's cool with me. I wonder her if Land hates her, but I wonder if Land's heartbeat, like just beats faster around Nynaeve and she can like feel it or something like that. The bond is so cool. There's, they don't get into it at that level, but I feel like it's fun to kind of guess about that. Extrapolate Cause that it level. could, that's totally reasonable. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you get emotional when I drink, you know, there's weird connections. So and I'd love this too. I think it's episode five at the ending funeral when Lan is the chief griever essentially. And Nynaeve's kind of like looking at Moraine and Lan and, 
she knows that Lan is feeling what Moraine can feel. Moraine's feeling what Lan can feel. So she's like, they're both vibing off of each other. And she kind of looks around like, I'm a little out of place here. <laughs> Moving from this platonic water bond relationship between Lan and Moraine, we dive a little more into this more romantic Lan relationship, which is him and Nynaeve. So we've learned in this episode that Lan has some family or rather knows a lot of people in Faldara and the Borderlands. So he goes somewhere for dinner. Nynaeve tracks him again, but a little unsuccessfully. She gets caught this time. He invites her inside. And I think that this scene is, is a nice little... Honestly, if you watch Game of Thrones, it kind of reminds me of like episode two before the long night. We're all kind of hanging out, drinking, having dinner together. Mm-hmm. This is lighthearted, like really nice emotional scene. And one thing I want to point out, Lan mentions that a little bit later, though, that this guy was one of his parents' armsmen that smuggled mm-hmm. him out of the kingdom of Malkir. You will notice that Lan wears that kind of leather cord in his head, which is called a Hidori. This man is also wearing a Hidori. Notice that as well. Yeah. So that's how they identify. They are both Malkiri, while the, everyone else in the city is Shinarin. Okay. So that was a little bit of a, a kingdom distinction. That makes that makes sense. Then that clarifies for me the like what he was eventually going to be the ruler of. Like like they just happened to be in this town that wasn't where they were actually from. Yeah, those the family that he went to, they also are essentially a f- people without a kingdom. So the other Borderland nations have kind of adopted, adopted Malkiri yeah. people. Yes, Refugees? Sure. Just one point I will make before we move on from this little nice scene is that they. I like how many like moments of levity they've given Lan. He's really funny in this scene when the old guy's like, oh, she's beautiful. And he's, he's like, like, oh, I hadn't noticed yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And he's like playing with the little girl. I just think it it really makes Lan a great character. My favorite. Ride or die, Lan. Also, we're, got, we're calling the uh, the shipping of Nynaeve and Lan Nylan. Nylan? Nylan. Okay. I'm okay with Nylan. Or it's either that or Lanive. Well, we're about to talk about a big <laughs> moment for Nylan. I'm going to ignore <laughs> that other one. <laughs> Nyland now find themselves after they fill their bellies at dinner. We move back into the keep. They're going to bed. And they have this little interaction outside of Land's door about how nice of a night it was. And then Land just kind of says good night. So before I talk about this, what do you guys think about that? Before he said that, the sexual tension was just you could see it emitting from the TV screen. Just that you knew they were going to bang. But the fact that he said no is just like. Make the fucking move, Land. Come on. You like her. She likes you. It's the easiest, easiest nut you'll get. So if she di- if he didn't like her, this whole situation is just so stalkerish. Oh, you yeah, say? 100%. Yeah. He just like wasn't into the naive. She's just like stalking him outside the house. I was just thinking that like she's lucky that they're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how I met your mother, the what's it, the Doppler and Dahmer. It's uh, cute and endearing if, if you're you know, into the if person. Land is into yeah, it, exactly. but it's super stalkerish. Land wasn't in exactly. Um, it's like the radio outside, the boombox outside the window. It's like creepy if you don't, if you're not yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the the two rules of Tinder, which is one: the first rule is be hot, and then the second <laughs> rule is see rule number one. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I think Land saying good night outside the door was like him trying to control himself. He already says. You know, it's a mistake for her to be involved with me. Mm. I think he's like trying to do the right thing and kind of push Nynaeve away a little bit. But when Nynaeve walks in, he's like, ah, fuck, might as well just give into it. (laughs) Um, Me and Emily actually had a bet. We were like, you think they're going to kiss this scene? 
and he walked inside and she was like pay up and i was like not yet not yet (laughs) (laughs) it was perfect (laughs) so that question was a little bit of a setup because in the lore of the kingdom of malkir they are they're gentlemen essentially men can't invite themselves into a, like a woman's room or their bed to kind of have sex men don't initiate that the women have to initiate sex what an advanced society what yeah a, so they are yeah they got consent on a hundred thousand trillion <laughs> yeah, what the hell? so that i don't know if they were really hammering that point home but i think that was an aspect of it okay in that that's really cool that's a part a big part of new spring when people like women come on to land and like people like will make jokes like ah like you could totally bang her and shit and he is like the honorable man in his head of like needs to be like a formal request almost i like i like that side i need consent i like it that more than him being reserved to be honest i think paul nails the second half of it too in that he is fighting his own urges of he knows that his lifestyle that he lives is not meant for being in love with someone but i mean when she came in the room and it was pretty much like oh, her. Even, she came in the room. Yeah, her basically inviting <laughs> herself in and being like, we're going to bang mm-hmm. from his culture and custom. That's like green light. All right. <laughs> and also, he's got to realize, too, that Nynaeve has been told that she's like the strongest channeler in like over a thousand years. So at that point in time, it's like, sure, I could protect her for a little bit. But at some point in time, like this woman could absolutely destroy me. Do you not hear yourself talk when you say that? Like at this point in time? No. And then at some point in time. <laughs> And also, I guess a fun little nugget that pops up in New Spring that relates to this because they bang. Yes. Lan is a fucking animal in the bedroom. Mm. Mm, Podrick? That's canon. Damn. That's fact. Two inches going 100 miles per hour, man. He got, he's got more than two inches. That's canon. Confirmed. As well. Yeah. Is that confirmed? In the Go, I'll confirm it. <laughs> Did we pretty much cover Malkier, though? Like, do we want to talk more about that? Like, just the kingdom that got overcome by the, the blight. And that's why Lan doesn't. He's a prince to a kingdom that no longer exists he's a king oh yeah now he's yeah. a king everyone's dead, dead so yeah. he's the king he yeah, is yeah. a king which That's is cool. even cool there's more history to that that i think will let the show develop mm. there's more stories about what happens to that so i i think that's yeah that's pretty much we talked about it a lot so i think we can we can move past it and they did smooth over the idea that Nynaeve was freaking out post not after about moraine and land's connection yeah, that's yeah they smoothed that's, that over like that's when we get that connection a description and the background on land as it well. was a great charismatic move by land saying like i'm owned by her in the same way you're owned by the kids yeah field, i like so. that quote to, a lot too because it confirmed for me as a viewer like i wasn't sure entirely what their relationship was if they did love each other because you know they've taken baths together before but now it makes sense that it's all plutonic Lance, Lance, a suave motherfucker. I, my favorite character, man. I this love him. episode. I, we get it obviously in episode five with the whole emotional friendship stuff in the funeral. This episode more from like that familial Joker, mm-hmm. like smooth lines. There is this happens in the books. They're in Faldara, and it's from Rand's perspective, and he's watching Land interact with people, and he literally says he's like an onion. He has so many layers. No, <laughs> I swear to God, I I was listening to the audiobooks recently doing my reread, and it popped up, and I was like, "Holy fuck, that's so good!" That's the Shrek line, like yeah. that's that's B Tom Spartacus. Like I was like, "That is so fucking funny." So lands an onion. That's canon as well. <laughs> All right, I'll take us to this last conversation before we go through the final sprint because this is just a quick makeup between Rand and Egwene. This just undermines the whole fucking thing, like. 
what was the point of throwing in that love triangle just for it to be smoothed over like this? Because they basically bang right after this. Um, but no more tension between Rand and Egwene. He admits to her and says, like, I'm sorry, whatever. We're good now. I'll go to the White Tower with you if we survive this and I'll become your warder. And this conversation here is really well done in the sense that now that we know that not in in the story, we know that he's the Dragon Reborn yet. But once you know he is the Dragon Reborn, it makes this conversation more appealing and truthful. And like tragic. Yeah. Just because he's literally telling her, like, don't get like you should just go to the White Tower. Don't follow uh, Moraine into the blight. Because he wants to do it himself because he knows he's the DR. And I think the line, I don't want to lose you on the second watch has kind of two meanings in that you first watch it and it's like, okay, I don't want you to die. And I think the second watch is him when you realize that he is pretty much 95% to the point of accepting he's the dragon reborn Mm -hmm. of like, it's that he knows once he's the dragon reborn, when that's a thing like him and Egwene, the relationship is going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, so him accepting that is also losing her in a way. Game time. Cue the music. I've is this for the sex or the post sex? They bang. Oh, I just meant the post sex. Like uh, they bang. Realization too. time. Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit of sexy time, and, and this the realization, she... little post nut clarity. Mm-hmm. And this is where the uh, the baby is conceived in the vision that oh, Min has. Yeah, yeah. It could be, could be. So incredible scene i've talked about this scene at least three times off podcast with like friends and every single time i watch talk about it i even right now the chills are getting developed like this scene is incredibly well done this without a doubt carries the episode into the rating that i gave it in the instant reaction uh it was a nine but we'll go back and do that at the end to revisit that but holy shit man this was just like piecing together everything that we've learned about Rand so far and finally just getting the reveal that this man is the dragon reborn and this is our fucking protagonist let's mm-hmm. fucking go i loved it it's just him shooting arrows before when mm-hmm. Gwen goes up to talk he was missing didn't really know why because you're like you know you that's archer archer is your thing man like what's what's going on and he's just got a lot on his mind and then that's kind of him like solidifying his resolve by grabbing mm. his quiver and going out again and you know shit shooting and hitting the bullseye i almost said shit in the bullseye <laughs> shit in the bullseye I mean, he is shitting on that he's bullseye. so good he's pulling the bowstring back with his butt cheeks yeah and letting letting it go. Go. i'm happy we got another like, there's a lot of flashbacks here that like basically retcon everything we've been seeing this first season and they're all so good. Um, we get another flashback to to Dana, back to Maya, whatever the fuck we want to call yeah. it. We get a fu- this is the scene to me that stuck out most because I, I knew too much going into the show, of course, but like I would have been so stuck on that scene when Rand does knock open the door with that that uh Dana says take would take the strength of three people to knock over. And when you see it through his vision this time, he obviously has the power mm. on him, like helping him throw it open. But uh that that's such a good giveaway, like speaking to him being the dragon so early, but it wasn't too obvious. Mm. Um, then we get the dragon mount flashback of Rand telling uh, Matt that he, he's, he, he thought the dra- the dragon mount, the mountain looked familiar because mm-hmm. obviously that's where he was, he was born, born. So he had that feeling um, we see him using the power against the Trolloc in the ways. Mm. And then the last thing we see is um, Machin Shin retconning that conversation saying you are the dragon reborn. Yeah. And, and then, then he just like, like, we also get him, yeah. the the flashback of him looking at the book too, which is really oh, uh, forced. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah. Re- really important to his character. Which ah, this scene, 
is so good. This is probably my favorite scene of the series yes. so far, without a doubt. Like overall, the battle scenes, overall the Logan stuff that I've really enjoyed. This just is the cake easily. I'm so hyped. I did not put together that Dragon Mount uh, was where he saw that mountain before. I didn't know that that mm-hmm. was. Uh, I put it took it me out. like as he was like saying it and building it up. I was like, okay, that makes sense. So if you go and rewatch the scene. Um, so at this point in the episode, we actually get the the finish of the opening, the cold open, where Tam holds her hand. They have the baby, and you see Tam take the baby, which is Rand, and start to walk away. And you see the White Tower in the distance. Mm. While when we get this scene where Rand and Matt walk onto the hill, it's from the complete opposite direction, yeah, where they're at the White Tower looking at Dragon Mount. Okay, so that's like I guess like a little bit of a subtle thing, but I will say that Luke, the two points you just brought up, very quickly. There's a this person that's been posting on the Wheel of Time Reddit of a group of non book readers has been watching the show and running. What is this? A, a Bayesian analysis of everything. So they take every piece of evidence and try to run it through like who they think is going to be the Dragon Reborn. And for Rand, which they ended up after episode five, he was like the clear favorite mm-hmm. after totaling all the evidence. And it was the door and the mountain comment were like the two biggest pieces of evidence of any awesome. evidence of everyone in the episode. That's so awesome. these, these group of people who were doing this nailed it and that those two scenes stuck out to them so much, yeah. which is, was the point of them. Yeah. And you did bring up a part that doesn't get revealed until Rand has this realization that he's a dragon and then goes to talk to men. That's when you kind of see the end of that's when Bruce oh, true. comes back into it. Cause we could just flow right into that. Cause Rand, cause it's more dragon reveals. So Rand does after the after Machin Shin says you are the dragon reborn and he has like the, the facial shot of him being like fine like I am he wants the last bit of confirmation by going to my girl Min and asking her to give him a reading to his face because Moraine already told him he sees the pa- she sees the pattern the future and that's when we get like um like the actual birthing scene I know Paul's sexiest scene of cutting the umbilical cord right here too <laughs> love that little slash <laughs> they just threw that in there the sound effects were good too and the splurt of blood you like that part kind of we also I'm so find happy out- that roost just like it just so speaks so much to his character because the other uh the other soldiers would have killed her just because yeah. she was Aiel, but he like completely put down his spear had her and he like sm- like when she gave birth he was i'm pretty sure he was like smiling like happy for her and then he looks over again to beast. see her and then he's she's, and she's dead, dead yeah. and then he's like holy shit fuck like there could have been something there for him but i like how too that uh min's first vision she's ever had was of uh tam and she saw tam i just wonder if i just wonder if seeing him awoke the powers or if they were like yeah so just because of how important that character was in that moment like if that just awoke the abilities within her but really cool she was a kid she said when she saw him too so she's had this power for years yeah i love the idea of her seeing Tam holding Rand and that triggering this ability in her. Imagine being a kid and seeing that and just being like, it's beautiful. That means nothing to me. Seeing yeah. snow and blood like emanating from this person who I'm like, I'm assuming she was probably like eight years old and just, eight, I'm, huh? I don't know why. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> why? Luke had said while you were actually out of the room that he was like, oh, I guess Lamb might have been like eight when he left Malkier. That's, uh, so <laughs> That's hilarious. But she said kids, so that was like the first thing that came to my mind. But interesting really just really well done i do want to shout out one of the slideshow highlights that Rand goes through which is him saving his dad from the trial attack in episode one that's an iconic scene from the books 
That book, I mean, I'm sorry, that book, that scene actually happens in like chapter five or six. And you were saying that was like the dead giveaway yeah. of like him. We, being we've been kind of saying it throughout all of these episodes that it's not a mystery in the books because that scene happens so early. And he is saying these things like Carrie, who is mom, mom, who is Rand's adopted mom. I know you always wanted a kid, all this stuff. They even throw in the scene or I'm sorry, the quote rather from Tam saying it was so hot. I didn't mean to find her there. I just needed to get to the snow. Tam talks about in the books how battles are just like no one tells you how much heat there is when you're fighting in these battles. So I thought that was a nice callback for book readers. I just it, the whole reveal and all the slideshow shit was so fucking well done. I just love it. And Tam, you guys have said like he was the one that actually stopped to help her. And he looks like a fucking savage, first of all, in that scene with his armor. But like the mountain with his helmet on. Yeah, like, that's a great point. The helmets were kind of threw me off. And I mentioned earlier that they were from the kingdom of Ilion. Mm -hmm. And Tam is actually like he. So his rank was the second captain of the companions. So basically he was like second in command of like their elite force. Nice. So just I just love putting respect on Tam Althor's name. I might have been jumping a gun a little bit with that reveal, but I just fucking ride with this guy so hard. I, love I just got a text one minute ago from Tori. Fucking Rand is the dragon reborn. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's all like, caps. That's perfect, so good. Perfect time too. Because I was talking to her about it last night too. I was like, oh, she was like talk. Me and her were talking a while. She she was on episode five at last yeah. night, so she binged the two episodes this morning. She's crazy. loving it. Kyrie's five deep. He's loving oh my it. God, dude. my heart is so full. I know. <laughs> That's so amazing that everyone's been diving and loving it. But one more thing that Min tells Rand is she i don't know if he says like what else do you see or whatever but she says i see rainbows carnivals and three beautiful women so the for, first for two Rams? parts yeah yes okay. for the first two parts i i have this slight spoiler of a plot line that is pro that's going to happen revolving around carnivals or something or a circus or some shit so maybe that's that but i have no idea what the fuck that means rainbows could be like I'm split between it being an actual viewing or a throwaway line or her like fucking with him because Which she's like beautiful woman can't. Be. Well, the three beautiful women is legit, but I think the rainbows and carnivals part of me thinks that that's like a like her fucking with him because mm -hmm. he and then asks her, like, do you see the eye of the world? And she goes, yeah. And he's like, do I make it? She doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. And he's like, OK, I didn't think so. I think. That was her like being sarcastic. So the carnival thing is not like circus related. Like that's not anything small spoiler. There's a carnival plot line in the story yeah. at some point. I mean, there's 14 fucking books. There's going to be some wild random plot lines. It could be. Okay. That's there's what potential, I was just asking. But it, part of me also thinks that the rainbow and carnivals was like sarcasm because it's it was probably directly opposite of what she might actually see, which is him getting fucked up at the island. And world. it could, based off what you guys are saying, it could just be a nod to the books also. Like, if they yeah. don't cover it in the show, here's a nod to the books at the car like the carnival is something. Yeah, I was split between the two spots, but let's talk about three beautiful women. Put it on the board. Who is that referring to? Uh, I This is, like, coming as a shock to me because I might I don't know how I missed this quote, so I'm really, like, I have no idea what that means to me. Like, the, I think three beautiful women... Boom, Egwene's one, two other ones. I have no fucking idea. Same with you. You call Nynaeve not beautiful? I just don't think she fits the profile of like what the context was implying there. Like, what do you think it was implying? You think it was more of a sexual thing? Yeah, like it might be like he fought, like he has three quote unquote suitors, I guess, like potentially who he would end up with and have that baby 
And I, so I would assume Egwene would be there. I don't think Nynaeve would be one because that's a mother figure more so. And I don't think they, there would be love there. So I don't know who the other two would be. That's just my guess. Uh, one might be. <laughs> We're right at the end here. That was good. Uh, I have no idea. Um, it's definitely not Matt's mother. She's not. You know fair, fair, fair. Maybe Chota's mom. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I have no idea. God, if anyone understands that reference, hit us up. You're getting some money. Yeah, yeah, we'll That's give so you some money. We are in for a wild ride on what the three beautiful women mean. That's yeah. all I will say. Um, it is one of the cornerstones of the entire series, and it is such an interesting plot line. I don't, that it's going to be crazy to see how they do it. And I don't know why this came in my head at this moment in time, but I'm also thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm, am I the only now one I'm now. No, now I'm being now. I, I'm more I edit so. all the episodes. So I hear it I all hear the time. That all, I hear, okay. you say it all the fucking time. I, I say so at the beginning of every time I begin a new point. It's, so my, it, it's OK. It's my braid tug. All right, yeah, get I over the same it. thing. I, I sprinkle them throughout at this point in time is my braid tug. All yeah. right. So I'm a little anxious. That's yeah. all. Um, I'm thinking of Hercules and how the three women of like death, essentially, you know, the people who are cutting the strings of people's lives. Uh, yeah, the three, they are. Seers, I don't, they so share they, an eyeball. Right? Yeah. So the I don't string won't cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know if maybe there's some uh, like Greek mythology related thing going on here with three women being a symbol of death or, you know, something like that. But that's just what came into my mind. I have no idea. Those why. women are definitely not beautiful. To me. Okay, that is also true. So you're very beautiful to me. <laughs> All right, now it's that's pretty much wraps up the whole uh, dragon reveal and men scene, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, honestly, the last little thing is that the squad, besides Moraine and Rand, kind of gather together the next morning. They're kind of having a little conversation about what's good. The people from Evans Field, the kids, quote unquote, have now had their resolve that we're going. End of story. Land comes in, kind of ruins the party, and is like, Moraine mashed the bond. She's gone. And they're like looking around. Oh, shit. Process of elimination. <laughs> Rand is no longer here. And then we get the scene where Rand knocks on Moraine's door, says, it's me. She hits the little, okay, let's go. That was a good fucking delivery. I got chills for that one, too. It's ironic, too, that at the beginning, beginning of the episode rand was making it a big point to meant like about whole the whole thing with matt leaving them he was saying that we left him and now rand is the one to leave the group mm-hmm. it's a little ironic but dude already said it the blight looks fucking incredible i'm so hyped to see what we're getting next episode because to follow up that vision of just it covering everything you can see outside of the borderlands is insane like how uh, there's got to be like monsters and shit in there that we're going to fucking see more trollics. Like there's going to be, oh, it's going to be so good, man. I was so We're so spoiled because we got the episode one to six screeners. So we got done this episode and I was like, all right, after the recording, let's watch eight. Like I'm so <laughs> ready. And I was like, oh shit, we got to wait. Like what is waiting for us? You know, I hated that. I think episode eight is going to be unbelievable. I don't even know what to expect with the dark one, the blight and eyes of Ember. Eyes of Ember. Yeah, we haven't seen the man with the eyes like Ember in a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, they haven't had any dreams or visions, at least that they're showing. Which is kind of makes sense because they they said they only started happening again when they weren't with Moraine. And Moraine said, if you're around me, I'll like I'll protect you. I don't is that a book thing or is that a show thing? 
She says like she blocked. Didn't she say like no? If you I mean, sleep it, near it, me, I'll fucking block the. Cause in that in the scene when they first talk, when the bats come out of like Rand's mouth. Yeah. Doesn't she say if you're near me, she, I'll block the. I thought she more said. I thought she said, just let me know when yeah. that happens. Again. I might have just been yeah. pulling some book stuff there. Yeah. Was I mean, they stuff. do have they do have dreams when they're kind of sleeping in the same inn as her in the books. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But how. isn't that before she knew? Yeah, I get they they do not tell her. Yeah, about the dreams, kind of. They try to hide it from her, but I, I don't know. Because there's like a loose system that's kind of like um the magicians, where there's like um wards you can put out. So I think they sometimes do that in the books. You can protect your dreams a little bit. We're not really there yet. Okay, that's kind of more of like an advanced level of channeling. Okay, that obviously these people just learned this season that they can use the power. So I'm just curious. Of I just want to get like a quick thoughts on. Rand and Moraine together traveling alone through the blight because I feel like Rand and Moraine have kind of butted heads a decent amount throughout this season. Episode two, when he kind of blows up at her, there's actually there was talk episode two that that was the first moment where she started thinking in her head, like if she was on the podcast with us. And after every episode we get, we asked her, like, who do you think the Dragon Reborn is? She would have said, kept saying Rand from that point because, like, the like the way that he blows up at her, but. I'm just curious if episode eight is obviously going to start off or at least at the beginning of the episode, it's going to just be the two of them. I'm just curious what you guys think of that pairing happening in episode eight. Uh, very little to no small talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, they just do not seem like the chatty type together. I think that there was I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there was some meat left on the bone from Loyal's knowledge that he could have talked about in the ways that I'm kind of hoping that Moraine and Rand's conversation will bring out. But I feel like he does kind of see her as someone who knows things. And I think they're going to, he might be asking her questions. Cause like you're, like you're saying, there's no small talk. Mm. Like we're kind of heading to almost a suicide mission. So maybe he's going to ask her for a little more information. Yeah. I, uh, I could see him asking like, so, so what's this guy look like? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, just yeah. like little things like that. Like, yeah. How far is it? I'm interested to see, like Luke said, what's going to be in the blight. If it's just going to be like an easy path that you can just kind of walk through, or is it just going to be like monsters and shit? Yeah. We're going to fucking find out in yep. five and a half days. Yeah. We are on our way to the eye of the world. I can't fucking wait to see the way they visualize it. Yeah. The ending of the first book is so fucking crazy that I just, I know that they had some headaches and long nights thinking about how to put it onto the screen. And I just, I can't fucking wait to watch it with the world. Let's do some ratings and then bang Homeri and get the fuck out of here. I'll go first. Um, So I gave it a nine on the instant reaction. Unfortunately, I'm going to drop it half a point. I think I would have to happen. I think it was just the recency bias. You're right. Like, and we were talking too about not much besides Rand getting revealed as the dragon reborn pushes this plot like too like that much farther we get that ridiculous love triangle stuff which i didn't overly enjoy and just looking back on my second rewatch i would give it a half point drop but i still think that scene alone made the episode of the reveal just made the episode my second favorite overall if we take out the love triangle what's the rating uh i would probably save giving it a nine I okay think. it would be a i think nine that half comes from like the love triangle and okay. just yeah okay so I'll go next. Uh, nine and a half out of ten. I think it was the best episode of the season. Just take out the love triangle. It was perfect. Pot on fame was a savage. The Aiel fight 
like with the mother giving birth that was stuck out so much for me and then of course like the dragon reveal was chills both times both when you get the visions of ran realizing and then when he says to moraine it's me like all of that was amazing plus the blight plus fucking faldara everything this was the best episode ever yeah i'm gonna actually i'm gonna increase my rating from episode i'm sorry from the instant reaction episode i'm gonna go up to a nine i'm over the love triangle now it's just it's in the background i don't it's okay i don't fucking care i guess anymore because we're never going to talk about it again Lord Agamar, like I said, is kind of a boss in the books, mm-hmm. and they made him out to be kind of a dick. So I don't love that, but it's definitely a nine. The Dragon Reborn reveal, I was legitimately tearing up when I first watched it. The second time hit me just as hard. Mm-hmm. The fucking ways, all of the like the Machin Shin was great. Faldari was great. Oh my god, how Land's background was it? Land's no background way. was great. I just it, it was fire. I did say it was like on the instant reaction. I said it was tied for my favorite episode with four, but like it's easily these two on top yeah. of the world. For I me. think it's, I think if I had to pick, since I gave both four and this a nine, this is would be a 9.1 while four is a nine. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it a nine. Everything you guys said, Pat and Fane reveal was just great. Dragon Reborn reveal obviously is, you know, first thing you think about now when looking back at this episode. Um, I loved the ways there was just a lot of cool concepts in here. There were some sexy times. Everybody was getting laid besides Perrin because his life sucks. No, he hooked up with Jill. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, shit. I was like, Jill, who the fuck's Jill? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. yeah. Hand. So you left. <laughs> um, if you get that reference, shout us out. We'll give you some merch. <laughs> Are you fucking Perrin jerking off? Jill? <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you free t-shirts. <laughs> Do you like jerking off? <laughs> Here's a t-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, nah, this is phenomenal. Uh, I'm hoping 10 just blows it out of the water, though. I'm so ready for this finale. Mm-hmm. Speaking of everyone having sex before we get to the BKM, <laughs> there was a really funny tweet that I'm sorry if this was your tweet. I do not remember what your um your Twitter name is, but it was hilarious. They were watching with a non reader and they were joking that they expected when Rand goes to knock on Moraine's door that Loyal would be laying in the bed because like everyone else was getting laid this episode. <laughs> and just the image of Loyal fucking Moraine is so funny oh to me. God, dude. Okay, moving into BKM. Yeah, we're going to do a little BKM real quick. We are going to do pairs. We are going to do Egwene and Rand. They're going to do Nynaeve and Lan. And then the third pairing is Moraine and Swan Sanjay. So you got <laughs> to marry, kill, or bang both of them. This is so tough. I want to be honest. And I'll start. Unfortunately, I have to kill. I like this pains me with every fiber in my being to kill Lan and Nynaeve. What? It, Damn. They, it's, I, what is the reasoning? The other two pairings are just to me so much more important. I think, like, obviously, Rand is the dragon reborn, so gotta keep him alive. So, I would we'll just get into the rest of it. So, I'm going to bang the threesome of Moraine and Swan and then marry into Egwene and Rand because, like I said, Rand is the dragon reborn, can't kill him, so that pair is done. I think Moraine and Swan at at this point in time, are stronger <laughs> than Lan and Nynaeve as a combo. So that strength is going to carry me far in the world. And so I have to unfortunately kill my favorite my favorite character. 
I am going to bang Lan and Nynaeve because as Kyle has told us, Lan will blow my mind. <laughs> you're you're gonna be scratching his back up. I guess well not, <laughs> not with the way that men have sex, but <laughs> ah, maybe. Maybe. How flexible are your shoulders? <laughs> not very. It's <laughs> all the people right now, not very. Touch my ankles. <laughs> uh yeah. I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> um, and then I am going to kill Moraine and Swan. Um, and because I cannot kill my boy Rand, I say my boy just this episode, never said it before. <laughs> <laughs> because now he's the DR, he's so much cooler. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Moraine and Swan, they just, I don't think I would give them what they want. Okay. Want me to go or you want to go? I will go next. I'm going to, unfortunately, kill Lan and Nynaeve. It's so wow. tragic. It's so harsh. I know. I know. Lan's a great character. Nynaeve has kind of... I remember saying in the first maybe four episodes that Nynaeve was kind of my favorite character at that point in the show. She has fallen off for me a little bit. Lan's still the beast. It's just that, like Dave said, I cannot kill Rand. So Rand has to stay. Egwene's lucky that she's yeah, attacked. Yeah, she's Rand totally in lucky. This scenario. But I'm just going to bang them because I don't really want to be married to the Dragon Reborn. It seems like a lot of responsibility. Like it kind of seems almost like if you were just married to like a guy and he became president and now you're like the first lady and you got to like do first all this man. shit. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? I could be a lady. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to bang them. Because so I can just kind of walk around and be like, yo, I bang the Dragon Reborn just to have that in my back pocket. And then me, Moraine, Swan, absolute power couple, power throuple. Three of us can just, I'll just chill in the back. And those <laughs> two just like make huge power moves in the world. And yeah, they just seem like they have the most love for each other at this point in the story. Some very sensual sex. Yeah, so I'll sneak in on that. Like, hey, guys, I really give me some love for Luco's. How I'm because I married Ran, that viewing we saw, that's me and Ran's baby because he's got the black <laughs> hair. He's got the black hair. That's me, our kid. That I, so walk me through that. <laughs> I impregnate the dragon reborn <laughs> through the channeling of the one power. Okay. Okay. I go mad eventually. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's not possible. <laughs> so we're gonna let you have that one. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, I have the same answer as Kyle for slightly different reasons. I'm Bang definitely man. gonna kill Lan and Nynaeve. That was uh Damn, that was the first decision I made. Yeah, that was the e <laughs> unfortunately it was the easy one. I'm banging Rand and Egwene because they're the hottest, in my opinion, like collectively. I think mm -hmm. Rand's fucking beautiful. Egwene can get it over the other, you know whatever they're yeah. the hottest they're the youngest that'll be fun there's something about Egwene's nose <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm definitely gonna marry uh swan and marine because one they're never gonna be able to lie to me ever great point mm. and yeah i kind of want the power they can mislead you they can mislead me but so could everyone else <laughs> that's so true yeah they can land, also land land would can never, lie land would never no, but I, I i can't lie i want the power i want, I want to be behind <laughs> yeah. them they could just See, do I, I will totally be their warder <laughs> yeah exactly the sex you would have with one power included would yeah. probably be pretty you crazy. just crank it up to like what i guess three at that point a little Plus, weave in the butt i'm never not I'm let's, never... let's settle down over there <laughs> 
<laughs> the BKM always goes off the rails. <laughs> when, whenever the there's men involved in the BKM with us, it always goes off the rails a little bit. I appreciate how free we are with our sexualities when we're together like this. Love it's it. like Landon Steppen when they were uh, in episode five. I hope the chat pe- about it. I hope the people can genuinely enjoy this <laughs> segment and not be like these four are just fucking out of their minds. Just, no, I will never kill Moraine if she's in a bank home. I don't care who it's up against. I killed her so easily. <laughs> what an episode. All right. All right. All right. Episode seven. The dark along the ways in the books. We finally have our DR. So we've lost our DR guessing segment. Honestly, I, I'm a little upset about that because it was fun to see how wrong they were every week. Never guessed Rand one. Time. Yeah, that was kind of a blast. So we'll have to maybe think of something else to uh, to get the laughs off for me and Luke at this point. But we really appreciate you guys listening all the way up until this point. If you did both the instant reaction and the deep dive, fuck yeah, you are a legend. You're an OG binge town homie. If this is your first time listening or maybe your second or third and you're a little apprehensive. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter, Bingetown TV. Subscribe to us, please, 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 on whatever the hell you listen to podcasts on. If you're on YouTube, totally subscribe to us as well. Um, we have a Patreon, Bingetown, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash Bingetown TV. We cover a metric fuck ton of shows at this point. This is flirting with our 200th episode. So just stick with us. We'll find a show you like. If you're liking us so far, we're going to keep going. Adios. On your knees. <laughs> Carwin's gap. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.